Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't really grow up uh, learning or knowing anything about Advent. Honestly, I think I was probably... Uh, in my late 20s or early 30s before I even realized what Advent actually was. Um, Advent uh, simply means the arrival, all right? Advent just simply means the arrival. If you want to define the word Advent, it is when we celebrate the Advent, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. We obviously remember the nativity over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, But one of the things that we often forget about this season of Advent is that we're also regenerating an expectation within us that Jesus will come again. He has Advented 2,000 years ago in the nativity, but also he will Advent again. He will arrive again. And so this season is an opportunity for us as the bride of Christ, as his church, to regenerate expectation that there will be a second coming. Jesus will arrive again. And uh, this was the season in which Jesus was born. And it's a great time for you to be born again, again, if you need to be. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to give your life to him Again, so here at Legacy, rather than simply celebrate the holidays, one of the things that we do that I think is quite unique as a non-denominational church is we celebrate Advent alongside the historic, global, orthodox, liturgical church by breaking out the Book of Common Prayer. Anybody ever heard of that before? Also, six people. It says a lot of people grew up like me. I never heard about this. So in the Book of Common Prayer, one particular version is what's called the Sunday Lectionary where a number of Anglican and Episcopalian and more liturgical expressions of the body of Christ open up this book and they read the same passages as the rest of the global church all together as a family on the same exact Sunday every single Sunday. Now, we don't normally do that here as a non-denominational church. But during Advent, it's just one of those moments where we have this opportunity to join in with millions of other believers and read along the Advent, the Christmas story, and we celebrate the nativity and we regenerate the expectation that Jesus is returning. So that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for a number of years. I can't say we're always gonna do that. But we love around here to highlight those specific Advent themes. Maybe you've heard of them. If you grew up Catholic, you definitely heard of them because the Catholics, man, they are so good at ensuring during the Christmas season that you're going to get hope, peace, joy, and love. You're going to get it, all right? You're going to hear a message on hope, peace, joy, and love. And so what I've done today, today's the first Sunday of Advent. Normally, you would get a message, a scripture on um, John the Baptist, usually John the Baptist, and I think today's um, lectionary passage is from John the Baptist. But I took a pastoral liberty today. All right, so I did, um, and that's very charismatic of me. You know, it's like, here's the passage you're supposed to read, but the Holy Spirit led me. You know, it's very, very charismatic of me. 
Uh, my parents would be very proud. I still don't watch the Smurfs, nor will I let my kids watch the Smurfs because it's demonic. Um, But I, I chose this passage, to be honest, and we're going to get to hope. We are going to get to hope. We're not going to leave out hope. But um, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about peace, uh, joy, love. Uh, but the reason I chose the passage that we're going to read from this morning is because of what we're doing after this, which is our big give. It's our year-end expansion offering where we come together and we give into the great vision, the great dream of Jesus for his kingdom through his local church called Legacy. And we contribute and we give. So what I want to do today is I want to read to you from uh, Matthew chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, and once you find it, I want to invite you, please stand to your feet. We're going to read the word of God out loud all together going to honor the word by standing to our feet and reading uh, out loud all together as a family. So Matthew chapter 2, if you don't have your Bible today, can I encourage you, bring your Bible next Sunday, and if you don't have it, you can read it from the screen. So we're going to start with verse 1 in Matthew chapter 2, the visit of the wise man, and then we're going to read all the way to verse 12. You guys good with it? All right, verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Isn't, a, isn't it amazing that wise men from the east, probably from Babylon, knew that Jesus had been born even before those Jewish worshipers that lived in the same city where Jesus was born. It's very fascinating. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Hold on, you mean to tell me that the whole city of Jerusalem was troubled by the news that the Messiah had been born? So the Bible says, verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Notice what's happening here. Herod the king is like, okay, well, if he was born, let me go ahead and get all of you interpreters of Scripture to tell me the prophetic words from Scripture about where the Messiah has been born. Such an amazing story. Verse 5, they told him. See, they're reading Scripture to him. In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now we know that he was scheming. He was devising a vain thing as Psalm chapter 2 tells us. But we also know what Psalm chapter 2 tells us and that is he who sits in the heavens laughs. You think you're doing something Herod? You ain't slick. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now, the star didn't move until now. Before, all they saw was the star. Now, they, now the star is moving. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly 
with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, this is a big gift, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So the title of the message that I have for you today, church, is this, Modern Day Magi. Modern Day Magi. I'd like to talk to us this morning about becoming modern day wise men and women, pursuing Jesus, filled with the wonder of Jesus, and giving generously to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for including these beautiful, wonderful, incredible stories that we are able to read and remember during this season. Your word is so faithful to transform us. So Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would put revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of Christ Jesus upon each and every one of us and transform us more into your image. Lord, don't leave us the same. Let us leave this sanctuary different. We pray today in Jesus' name and everybody said... Amen. You can be seated. Uh, I, I was telling Bliss that the first part of the message for me is so much like a, a classroom teaching that I almost considered doing it from a chair. But if you've been coming to church here for any length of time, you know that's impossible because I can't stay seated during a message. I just get too excited like the wise men in the story, but I want to give you guys some context. I think context here on this story is really fascinating. So I want to share with you some of what I've uncovered this week in study about um, the characters in the story. Uh, I won't talk too much about Herod. He's one of the characters. I won't talk too much about the star, although you could include the star in the list of characters. I really want to talk about the wise men because in the story today, I want us to see ourselves as the magi as modern-day magi. So whenever Jesus, your Lord and your Savior, was born, something very weird took place. Something extremely peculiar took place. There were some wise men or magi. They were in Babylon, probably. The Bible says the east. And they saw a star in the night sky, and they discerned that that star was a sign of the birth of what Scripture says king of the Jews, of the Messiah. So that's peculiar. I mean, just pause long enough to think about that. Now, I don't know what the star was. The Bible says it's a star, so we can take it at face value and say it's a star. But whenever stars start moving, just leads me to believe maybe the star was an angel. I don't know. I don't know. I can't prove that to you, but it's just my thought, my opinion. Perhaps it is an angel. But these wise men, they see the star and they say, okay, this star means that the king of the Jews has been born. Where are all of the Jews? Jerusalem. So it's not that the star moves and they follow the star to Jerusalem, but they see the star and they discern that it means that the king of the Jews has been born. So they say, we must take a trip. Now, you don't even realize because of how short the story is, how long the journey is. But they, they mount this expedition and they say, okay, well, if the king of the Jews have been born, then let's go to where the Jews are. Let's go to Jerusalem. And so they get together. They make this long journey to Jerusalem. 
uh, where they know many Jews to be, and then they start asking questions. Can you imagine this? Some magi, some, some, some wise men from another nation start walking around the city of God, Jerusalem, and they start asking Jewish people the question, hey, did you know? Did you, did you, did you know that the Messiah has been born? Did you know that uh, the, the, the king of the Jews has been born? Did you know that Messiah that you have been waiting on for centuries has been born? Did you know? This is why the Bible says that the whole city was troubled. You got these stargazing geniuses that show up from Babylon and they start interrogating random people. Where's he at? I don't know if you know or not, but the star showed up in the sky. We know he's been born. Where is he at? So the Bible says, yeah, the whole, you know, city at this point is troubled. And eventually that gossip makes its way all the way up into the king's courts, uh, which we know is Herod. And the Bible says that Herod also was understandably troubled because Herod, see, he is the king of Jerusalem, and that means he is the king of all the Jews that live there. So he's obviously troubled because you've got these, you know, prophetic people that show up and say, the king of the Jews is here. He's like, no, 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 we got to shut this down. I'm in, I'm in charge of all these people. I can't have this whole city thinking that a king that's going to usurp me, I'm the king. I can't have that happen. So, of course, Herod is troubled. You know, I can't, oh, a king has been born, huh? Mm, wow, you don't say. Well, let me go ahead and get the, uh, the, the priest in here that interprets Scripture. Let's, let's figure out where this king is. Let's figure out how old this king is. Let's figure out when it was that he was born. I see, I just want to go and worship him. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know that that's not exactly what, what Herod wants. Uh, but thankfully, thankfully, God has a, a better plan. It's amazing to me just how the New Testament reads, reads passages, read into stories just like this, what, you know, the enemy means for evil. God, God will turn around for the good because you, you don't think about it, but it's, it's like Herod is the one who actually tells the wise men where to go. I don't know if you saw that in the story. Herod's like, let me get all the chief priests in here. And then they tell him. And then Herod's like, go to the place that you're going to find him. And here, here's where he's going to be. Herod doesn't know, but Herod actually gives the clue to the wise men. It's amazing how God turns things around for the good. So um, the wise men, they go, they, they find Jesus. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the wise men. Now, the wise men, if you look at the, if you look at the Greek word magaio, uh, it's where we get our English word magic. So you might think, oh, the wise men were magicians. But the wise men were not magicians. You know, I think it conjures up this picture of like they're wearing weird wizard hats. And like they got, I don't know. It just, to me, that's not what they were, okay? Um, the, the great Bible translator Wycliffe, he said that a better translation of the word magi is actually probably astronomer. So we don't know exactly what they were into entirely. Uh, but if you read some history, uh, you'll see that the Magio was actually a class of priest, and they were among the ancient Medes and the Persians, and they were later associated with what's called Zoroasterism, which, believe it or not, is still a religious cult today. He is the second great historical philosopher after Solomon, actually, and so he invented his own religion, and some people think that these magi, that they were actually disciples of Zoroaster, and so what they did was they studied all kinds of ancient text. Presumably, they also studied the law, 
And being in Babylon, they were surrounded by some Jewish people, and they did have access to some Jewish teachers, and they were familiar with some of the Jewish text and the prophecies about the reality that a Messiah would be born to the Jewish people. So these are those that God in his infinite wisdom chooses to reveal a sign in the heavens. Say God won't pick the most random people to reveal his beauty to the world. Say God won't pick the people that you think he would never be caught dead around and reveal his truth to them. Say he won't. God picks the most random people sometimes. The last people that we would pick. But he decides, hey, man, these weird, strange priests over here that other people refer to as astronomers following this guy who's created some weird cult, who study the stars and who listen to different ancient texts, I'm going to show them. And I'm going to use them as a prophetic voice to my people and my city and to the king, and I'm going to put them all on notice and let them know that the Son of God has been born in your midst. The Messiah has advented. He is here. Does that just fascinate anybody else? This just blows my mind. See, I could have tried the chair and I would have already got up. (laughs) Advent has happened. We don't really know what was going on with the Magi. Some people say, well, they could have been Jewish proselytes, actually, because being in Babylon, they would have had access. We don't know if that's true. However, what we do know is that they at least sympathize with Jewish prophecies, and they are fascinated by this reality. So they decide to mount this big expedition, go all the way to Jerusalem, and see Jesus. Now, you've all seen a school play. There are obviously three wise men, right? Well, that's not actually true. Um, We do have the names of three of the wise men according to tradition. So I can't prove this to you, but if you are fascinated by this, I'll get, you want want to hear three of the names? Melchor, no one's naming their son Melchor, I know that. Caspar and Balthazar, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, that's at least three. Chances are there were probably more like 12. A lot of the early uh, Eastern Christian traditions would say that there are 12 uh, wise men. And there's good reason for that because it's unlikely that only three people would take such a long journey. Uh, they would need more people in the crew, so they would probably take more like 12. Now, how many of you guys have heard they were all kings? Heard that before, these three kings, right? But Matthew, the Bible never actually mentions that they were kings. However, we could suppose that it is possible uh, because, number one, they're given access to Herod's court. Number two, they have enough money to make the long journey to Jerusalem. And then number three, they give Jesus some extremely lavish gifts, and that is kingly behavior. That's kingly behavior. And uh, some would say that this is actually a fulfillment of Psalm 72, verse 11, Uh, whenever the Bible says that may all kings bow down before him, that this was actually a prophetic fulfillment of that passage. That they were kings and they came and they bowed down. So I just wanted to give you guys a little context. You learning anything today? It's a little context on the, I want you to think about that, you know, this Christmas holiday. What I want you to do is I want you to see yourself as these wise men today. That's what I want you to do. I want you to see yourself as these wise men. Surely, We are those wise men that have sought and have found the one who was born king of the Jews. That's us. Surely we are those wise men that now know his name. Surely we are those that have sought and have found the one and only king of kings and the Lord of lords, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are those and we now know and can testify to the reality that that 
baby boy that was born and that nativity scene in a manger over 2,000 years ago was in fact who the Magi said that, they, that he would be and he saved me. We're those wise men. We are like those wise men and today we have come into his house to worship him. You, you see how the wise men, they came into his house in the same way today. We come in, into his house and we are filled with joy. The Bible said that they were rejoicing with exceedingly great joy. That's how I've come to church today. How about you? Exceedingly great joy. I'm in his house. I know who he is. I know his name. I'm here to worship him. I'm here to bless him. I'm here to look upon him. And I'm here to bring a generous offering to him. I want you to read uh, two verses of Scripture with me from the message, actually, uh, paraphrasing this account. It says, uh, chapter 2, 10 and 11, it says, they could hardly contain themselves. That's just like my kids uh, by the Christmas tree, Christmas morning, just wondering what's going to be next. That's how I see the wise men in the story. They can hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place and they had arrived at the right time. They entered the house and they saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother, and overcome. They kneeled and they worshiped him. Then they opened their luggage and they presented gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Such a great story. And I want us to extract some principles from the story this morning and talk about becoming a modern day Magi. Now, when I say modern-day Magi, I'm not talking about you becoming a Babylonian astronomer. I would expect you to know that. But I am talking about looking at the principles of how the Magi responded whenever they encountered Jesus because they give us some good principles that we can apply to ourselves as we encounter Jesus today. All right, so becoming a modern-day wise man or wise woman, number one is this. This Advent season, I want you to pursue Jesus like a wise man. Everybody say pursuit. This is one of the words that I'm asking the Holy Spirit to mark our church with during Advent is pursuit. Say it with me one more time. Pursuit. Pursuit. You guys have all heard this. Wise men still seek him. Right? We are those wise men today. We're still going to seek him. And I know, look, when the holidays happen, there's this somewhat healthy tendency to check out. School's out. Kids are home. Work looks different as everybody slows down. There's holiday parties. There's more calories. There's home alone marathons. I get it. How many of you guys have already watched Home Alone? Wow. Wow. I want you to know I love it and I think it's good, but we cannot check out on our pursuit of Jesus just because it's Christmas time. In fact, this is the perfect moment to pursue Jesus during the Advent season. As we have been referring to this historic Orthodox Christian church calendar and these readings, did you know that Advent originally was not a calendar that you buy from Trader Joe's, but it was a church fast? Historically, Advent was a church fast. Now, I know that's unfathomable to us here in the West because this is when we feast. 
But for the historic church, Advent was a season that they would fast. They would take a 14-day fast because Advent was celebrated a lot like Lent. So if you're familiar with the Lenten uh, practices. And so uh, the historic church looked at Advent as a time of penitence. So that meant a time of prayer, a time of fasting, a time of repentance, and a time of giving. So those were the things that marked the historic church. Certainly, I think we could all agree that we have strayed from these ideas today as Christmas in our nation has become primarily about consumerism. This is why it's important for us to be marked in this season by pursuit. Now, I'm encouraging you, buy gifts, buy a lot of them, spoil your kids, do your thing, whatever you want to do, that's great. I want to encourage you to do that. But also, can I encourage you as your pastor, be a good steward. Be a good steward. Celebrate. But don't allow the pressures of our hyper-consumeristic culture to temporarily snuff out the flame of your love for Jesus during the Advent season. Keep your pursuit of Jesus, the center of every single holiday gathering. Every time your family gets together, say, we're going to be marked by pursuit of Jesus at this family gathering. Can I encourage you, read the nativity stories to your family. Read the nativity stories to your children at night as you put them to bed. Pray together. Welcome the arrival of Jesus again. Expect, regenerate. There's going to be another advent. Tell your kids he's coming back. There's going to be another Advent, and we stir up an expectation within us that we don't know what it's going to look like, but Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming in this season and in the next. Jesus is here. Advent has happened. Jesus is in the room. Jesus is in our house. Can I encourage you? This Advent season, tell your family that. Pray together. Sing together. Worship together. Make sure your kids know before you want presents, you want presents. I want the presents of the abiding Savior in this place. That's what I want. This season will be marked by pursuit. I'm grateful for the Christmas tree, but I'm even more grateful for the man who hung up on a tree 2,000 years ago, shed his blood so that I could be redeemed, saved, set free, liberated from death, bondage, and decay. He is here. And that's what we're celebrating. This is so much more than the holidays. This is about Jesus and the Magi. They were relentless in their pursuit of Jesus. They were willing to do whatever it took to find Jesus. They would say, we'll travel. We'll ask questions. We'll do whatever is necessary. I'll even risk my life in front of Herod, but I must have Jesus. So I want to encourage you, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes this holiday season to seek and to find Jesus. Do it. You know why? Because he's worthy of the pursuit. Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Psalm 27, verse 4, you have said, seek my face and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Psalm 119 and 2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole hearts. Look, we're asking for gifts. I know, it's Christmas. We've got a list. But, you know, Jesus is asking as well, will you seek me? Give him the gift of your presence. Pursue him. Pursue Jesus like a wise man. So number one is pursuit. Everybody say pursuit. The second word that I'm asking the Holy Spirit to mark our community with is the word wonder. This Advent 
carry the wonder of a wise man. Carry the wonder. You know, aside from um, Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone marathons, the first movie that tends to get played in my house in this season is uh, The Polar Express. Does anybody like The Polar Express? Man, we got some big Polar Express fans in here today. Wow. It's a good one. Uh, once you have kids, the Polar Express gets played a lot more often, I think. But um, if you've ever read the book or you've ever seen the movie, there's a little boy. He's the main character. And he receives this small bell from Santa's sleigh. You guys remember this? And um, I have one, actually. We have one, I think, on our Christmas tree. I almost brought it. But I just didn't want the one thing you took away from my message to be, Pastor had a, a bell from the Polar Express. I'm like... I, Maybe we should remember some scripture. But um, the bell to me is very interesting because grown-ups can't hear it. Do you guys remember this in the story? Like grown-ups can't hear the bell because it's only children that have childlike faith that believe in the magic of Christmas that can still like hear the bell. In the faith realm... Some of us can't hear the bell anymore. We can't hear it. We, 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 we don't have the belief anymore. We, we've lost our appreciation of the season. We've lost our gratitude of the advent. We've lost our expectation of the arrival. And so, like, the bell's ringing, but we don't hear it. We've grown up. Don't believe anymore. Don't have big faith anymore. Don't have optimism anymore. Don't believe for better days anymore. Glass is always half empty now. Probably going to be all downhill from here. Somewhere along the way, somebody convinced us that to grow up is to lose hope. It's to lower your expectations rather than lift up your faith. Some of us can't hear the bell anymore, and I want us to be like wise men. I want us to be, carry a wonder about us. Perhaps some of us, we need to take some more time off this Christmas. Uh-oh. Rather than allow the hustle culture to turn your holiday break into a work-from-home requirement, maybe you need to sit your booty down and take a breather. Maybe you need to rest long enough to remember that you are not what you do. Matthew 18 and 3, truly I say to you, unless you turn, turn is another word for repentance, and become like children... You will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can I encourage you today as your pastor? Slow down. Give yourself permission to stop long enough in this season and recover and resuscitate a great wonder for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, children, they're always curious. They're always expectant. They're always wonder what I'm going to get. Could it be the thing that I wanted? Is it going to be a surprise? What's it going to be? I'm so excited. I'm so curious. They are filled with wonder. They're able to get excited. Throughout this Advent, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit, stir up in me a childlike wonder for Christ Jesus. Stir up in me a childlike curiosity for the things of God. What is God going to bring me in 2024? I don't know. What is God going to do in my family's life? In 2024, what testimonies am I going to be able to report at the end of 2024? What is God going to do? I'm filled with wonder. What's going to, Jesus going to be like in my life this year? I don't know. Do you know? 
What do you get you? Ask him, make you curious again. Let us carry this wonder. Matthew 2 and, said, 2 and 10 said, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. In the message, it says they could hardly contain themselves. They're in the right place, and they had arrived at the right time. If you pursue Jesus like a, like a wise man this Advent, I just wonder what you might uncover. Go find out. I want you to be able to hear the bell again. Believe again. Recover your faith again. All right, number three is this. This Advent offer a special generous gift to Jesus that only he is worthy of. And this is the third thing that I want us to be marked by, and that is generosity. Generosity. Say it with me. Pursuit, Pursuit. wonder, Wonder. and generosity. Generosity. I, I, I really feel strongly led by the Holy Spirit that those three things would mark our family in this season. Pursuit, wonder, and generosity. Pursuit, wonder, and generosity. Going after Jesus with the same relentless mindset that those wise men had when they said it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how dangerous it is. I must get a hold of the Messiah. Have a sense of wonder. Have a sense of curiosity. Increasing our faith. I wonder what God is going to do. I believe. And then lastly, being generous, giving. In verse 11, it says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down, and they worshipped him. And they, they didn't stop with just some worship with their lips. They continued with some worship through their generosity. Just like David said, I refuse to offer up to the Lord that which cost me nothing. It wasn't about giving out of convenience. It was about giving out of an attitude of worship. They opened their treasures and they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. In the same way as the Magi did, you've come into the house of God today. You've seen your Savior. You've worshiped him. And now is the time for us to open up our treasuries and bless the Lord with our gift. And so just as my wife asked as we were transitioning, what is he worthy of? Because that's, that's how we're giving. We're not asking you to give under compulsion. We're simply asking you to ask yourself alongside every one of us, what's he worthy of from me? It's not about the amount, but it's about my generous spirit. And the Magi, they said, well, he's worthy of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I know that's become part of our Christmas stories today, and so we don't necessarily know exactly um, all the things that gold, frankincense, and myrrh represent. But these gifts were more than expensive. They were valuable. You know, anybody can give a gift that it, that's expensive. But only those that understand the importance of sacrifice can give a gift that is valuable. So they said, we're going to give a valuable gift. We're, we're going to give what we can, and we're going to give gold. We're going to give frankincense, and we're going to give myrrh because in the ancient world, these three gifts were the type of gifts that you would give to a king. We're not blessing 
a child, we're blessing a king, the king of kings, with precious metals and perfume and incense and myrrh, which is an anointing oil. And these gifts, they also fulfill prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 60, it says, they shall bring out gold and, they, and frankincense. They're going to bring good news and they're going to bring praises of the Lord. And these three gifts are also prophetically symbolic as Jesus is our king, so he receives gold. Jesus is our high priest, so he receives the incense, the frankincense. Jesus is our savior who was born so that he could die for our sins on Calvary, so he receives myrrh, which is also for death and for embalming. Every single one of the gifts were simply more than being expensive. They were valuable because they mattered, they were important, and they had significance, and they had meaning. And so that's what we're going to do. This Advent, we're going to offer a special, generous gift to Jesus that only He is worthy of. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.